is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast brought to you by our friends over at X2 Power Batteries. When you say powered, but I said brought. I always <laughs> hate those weird mental slip-ups, but hey, it's a Friday. Who cares anyways? It's, it's Friday. It's almost the weekend. A lot uh, of people are going fishing like you, jealous about the, the sunny south warmth, and I'm going to be up here freezing my tail off. So good for you. Su- I mean, maybe sunny's correct, but it's not warmth. I, uh... Uh, I'm going to Hartwell. So oh. as of tomorrow, I'll be on Lake Hartwell all day fishing. And it's going to be 27 degrees in the morning. So it's not warm. No, that's not warm. No, it's not. But it'll and be it's sunny. Probably. It's like it's way colder. Like a 27 down there is way colder than a 27 up here. Maybe. Yeah, it sucks. But uh, yeah, we, we left it out in the intro. If you're new to the show, I'm your host, Bailey Agbrett. And joined with me is the captain, Mr. Andy Full uh today we have no guests the guests are you're stuck with andy and i yeah. uh we're gonna be chit-chatting a couple different topics but uh pretty lax we, friday uh, shenanigans yeah friday shenanigans is right <laughs> uh i'm in midst of trying to get this episode done packing my truck getting everything ready to go because i'm spending the whole month in florida uh, basically a whole month of february in florida uh and fishing the first uh hobie event of the year for 2023 um down the harris chain so getting a tournament in while trying to get some good time spent with the family so i don't get to see them too often because they all deserted me for florida they were all new yorkers and uh my brother's leaving soon so i'll be the the lone Brett left in new york oh geez your brother's gonna go down too i don't think he's going down he's talking about going west he's talking oh. about utah interesting he's always he's a western boy at heart he's a that's an interesting and elk oh. and elk hunting. Yeah, he needs mm. to be outside. Cities don't do him well. Yeah, cities don't do many well unless they love to live in a city. I can't so. stand him. I like to go spend a weekend in Nashville. That's about it. Yeah, I agree. I'm too close to the city now, and it drives me nuts with like the congestion and traffic. So thank goodness we're moving. Yeah, I'm, I'm jealous. Jealous of you. Uh, we're we're not too close to the city of Buffalo, Ooh. but we're like we're close enough that it's like. You still get like the remnant, like traffic, yeah, of it, a traffic effect, because there's people obviously that drive in and work in the city and live outside of it, and it's like it's just enough to be annoying to me. Where like I grew up out in the sticks and loved it because you never had to worry about traffic. You could walk home and never have to worry about anything going on. You could leave your door unlocked, that type of deal. Where it's not, it's not that kind of age anymore. Not the definitely not the place that we're living in. That's for sure. Right. It it is what it is, to be honest. But it um, is what it is. It is what it is. No, like you're a little bit further displaced from the city than I am, but like you live in between like two of the busiest streets in western New York and Sheridan and Maine. And I am like two miles from North Buffalo. Like the other end of my street is pretty cruddy at times. There's shootings and stuff once you get oh, like police sirens every night, dude. Yeah. It, it's fun, so it's great. But uh, there's always cops running up and down my street at like eleven o'clock. Like, what the? <laughs> but it's a spirited city, though. I'll give it that. Yeah, resilient. I mean, even the guys getting arrested are saying "Go Bills" as they get handcuffed in the cop car. Yeah, it's, it's pretty <laughs> funny how things go around in Buffalo. But um, yeah, yeah. it's so. wild. And either way, I'm looking forward to getting a month away. Uh, not looking forward to a month away from the fiance, although she had she had the opportunity to come down. She, she, but she, in her all fairness, she has a probably the biggest test of her life coming up soon with her boards exam to be a PT. Uh, so she's going to take, she, and I quote, she goes, I'm taking the week away from you so I can actually focus because she needs to study. So she's choosing <laughs> mean the month. <laughs> well, because so technically she was going to come down because that's her spring break. She has one clinical yeah. left and the week she's going to drive down with me to Florida. Um, she was going to spend, you know, we're hang out in Florida. She was going to study down there a little bit, but like get some sunshine. Uh, but she's like, ah, I'm going to get distracted from in Florida. I'm not actually going to study, study. So I said, all right. But now I, that means I get to drive 20 hours on my lonesome and I get to stop and go fishing along the way, which, you know, works out for me in favor. But good thing she doesn't listen to this. Yes. <laughs> you hope. Yeah. You hope. I think she might. She might secretly listen to it, which I'm, I'm screwed. <laughs> You're done, buddy. You're done. Yeah, done for. But either way, uh, looking forward to it. Because, dude, Florida, Florida's weird, man. Like, you hear about it, so many guys talk about it, where it's like you could do well there one year or one day, and then you just suck the rest. Like, 
it's a, it, it sets up so different. And that's what I think is so intriguing about it is, you know, we could find a lake here in New York that you go graph the whole thing and, you know, you spend some time on it. Typically when you put that time in, that time is going to remain consistent for years on end where you could go and not fish that lake for three years, but then come back and fish a derb there and you can win it if you've put enough time out there where yeah. I feel like Florida is one where it's ever changing. And I think that's, what's kind of cool is it's, it's rapidly changing because the grass is floating around the lake wherever the wind blows it i'm sure there's like there's some hard spot areas that remain good over the years but it's just a whole different dynamic yeah or if you get what tropical storms and hurricanes and every front makes that lake do something different and every time it rains they seem to get like three inches in an hour so there's gotta be all kinds of sediment changing and weird current flows that we don't even take account for well, yeah, because there's, like, no incline whatsoever. Yeah. So, like, any sort of rain, it's going up. It's flat. <laughs> it's uh. wild. And I, I, that's one thing that's kind of cool about it, though, is, like, you think a, a bass can't live in six inches of water, but it'll happen there. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. But really, really fast, before we get too deep into the show today, uh, a couple things for folks. If you are doing Bassmaster, Bassmaster Fantasy Fishing, the first event of the year is coming up soon in like two weeks, basically two weeks today, right? I think it's two weeks today. I think yeah, so. Our first show is the 13th on a Monday. So yeah, it would be two weeks from today. It'll be starting day one of Okeechobee. Um, well, there we go. Spoiler alert. We're actually recording this on a Thursday, which was on a Friday. But um, if, you got, if you guys are doing Bassmaster Fantasy Fishing, our, our link to our group, is down below in the show notes if you guys want to join us and compete against the three of us serious angler dudes uh, in fantasy fishing. And then uh, Andy, tomorrow, Lure Lab episode, tell the folks what that's going to be about. Uh, so tomorrow will be an episode with Steve Mui, who actually resides now down in Florida on Lake Tarpon in the greater Tampa area. And we will be talking about the old ball and chain and why it catches such big fish. Not talking about time. his wife. No, no, I we could, but I mean, no, about just the old Carolina yeah. rig. Yeah, we're going Carolina rigging and uh, dive into all like the minor and fine details and major details of the Carolina rig and what's most important on it and what isn't. So that'll be a good one. Fun fact: I've never caught a fish in a Carolina rig. I think I've caught five. So <laughs> I've caught five, and three I'm of them in. were on Lake Erie in like forty foot of water, just goofing around. Like I'm just gonna try this today. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's weird. Oh, that's you've seen those Free guys power. that literally talk about putting jerk baits or crank baits on their Carolina rig. It's weird, and they smoke them. Like apparently, it's like a thing on Lake Norman. Huh. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe the guy might have been pulling my leg, but it seems to. I, I could see it working. Yeah, it's very interesting. I don't know if that's something I would ever do, but it's very weird. It's almost like a micro downrigger type of thing. Yeah, you know? yeah let's get it down 45 foot and just slowly drag it and see what yeah. happens. Yeah. I mean, hey, yeah. I mean, I could see it working. You know, it might not be the most efficient deal, but. No, I just feel like it would get tangled so easily with like the lip of a bait, right? Like think about a crankbait. Especially trying to cast it. Yeah, and one, it's going to spin and twirl all through the air. And the weight's going to get way out in front of it. So the treble hooks will probably attach to the main line. And if it even gets down to the bottom, like as it's diving, right, the bill's going to be straight down. But when it comes to rest, it's going to come forward over top and your mono is going to get all wrapped in the crank. Like, I just feel like it's not a very sufficient rig. Yeah, I don't know. But either way, I do have heavy intentions of rigging one up for Florida. Throwing that out there because... If you watch it, if you do any study on Florida and you're like me that you want to fish offshore, you better have a Carolina rig set up. Oh, 100%. So, 100%. But I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm like, I'm really looking forward to trying to explore these Florida fisheries, learn a little bit about them. Uh, I have a whole checklist of, of places that I want to cross off and uh, figure out, at least just try to get like an understanding of how these fish set up versus just going on the bank and looking because like that's the problem with us northerners the eye candy i think gets the best of us more than other anglers around the country because they're they're used to seeing the eye candy where Mm -hmm. we don't have a lot of like really good looking banks you know what i mean like especially our dock lakes unless you like fishing docks there's not a lot of eye candy there's not like the the hay grass that's out there in five foot of water that you can go flip when they're spawning we don't really we don't really get that Mm -hmm. so it's uh it's one where it's like 
it's going to be interesting. That's one thing I learned, especially on my first go around in the South with Toledo Bend was like, everything looks good up shallow where I think if I had just remained in my strengths on the Harris chain, which is where the Hobie events at try to fish offshore there. I mean, that, that time of year, if you look back, the elites last year were basically this, they're the exact same weekend that we're going. And the, the pattern that won was buddy girls finding areas where they're coming to you both ways, post-spawn and pre-spawn. And yeah, uh, it sounds like the route to go. Yeah. Just got to find that magic like, shell. <laughs> the magic conch. ship. Yes. <laughs> I find you. <laughs> <laughs> Get it if done, you guys bro. don't know that SpongeBob reference. Be <laughs> Take it back to 2000 and what? Five. Yeah, I don't know. I was, I was really young, but I still <laughs> remains today. <laughs> Eighth grade to you know senior year Spanish does not remain in my brain, but that does in fifth grade. I'll tell yes. you what. You're just a goofy goober. <laughs> yeah. That whole damn episode of SpongeBob. Dude, TV shows aren't the same anymore. No. I, I not what they were. Most of the TV shows that were made back then, like when we were growing up, probably are like politically incorrect today. It would never, I know, and they would never last on the national broadcast today. It's quite Dude, comical to think about it. I can't, like, I mean, I think Yellowstone was about the only show that I could get into recently. I mean, I watched Seal Team, that was a decent one, but even that one was became predictable, but like. A bunch of shows, they're all just PG. And like you talked about, like politically correct. And if they're not politically correct, it's either, it's most likely going to be a cop show. And they have some solution at the end, like to raise awareness, which is like, I'm, I'm all for it. But like, it gets sick of that when there's 29,000 cop shows that do the same damn thing every episode. Where it's like, back in the day was awesome, dude. You had like, I was big into Friends, uh, that 70s show. You had, I mean, it was <laughs> like Drake and Josh and SpongeBob were like... Those are mint. That was those are awesome. But this is not a TV show. We're a TV show podcast. Sorry to yeah. get on this tangent. This is what we meant by you guys are stuck with Andy and I. Think. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's gonna happen. So, um, yeah. I was gonna say uh, one of the few TV shows that we've actually watched while we're on this tangent is Blacklist. That one's pretty good. I never heard of that one. But after like the fourth season, it just becomes very redundant, like every other bad guy, cop and robber type TV show. So, but the first four are pretty good. Yeah, I feel like creativity is becoming washed. What would you call it's it? all washed out. Like everything's the same virtually. Like, is it too much copycat now? And did, or is it just too saturated? Do you think? I think mean, it's probably mimic that to the fishing industry. Yeah, it's definitely saturated. Because, like, when something becomes good, like, take it for instance, like, right, in a simile type fashion, like a fishing lure, if it's really good, over three, four years, you're going to see every company come out with the same style fishing lure. It just, it happens, like, and the only thing that they'll change is maybe they'll drill holes and, like, the phalanges of it or they'll put ribs on it or like bubbles on the side like there's all these tiny little minute details that they add to make it their own but it's essentially the same bait across the board so it's a tv show okay you might not know what i'm talking about i might be just crazy but you said phalange was there a tv show that was like they were making fun of like on the left phalange like they're talking about like a plane part or something i'm not sure well phalanges are fingers right are they so, I'm, I'm probably, it's probably like saved on. by the bell or something like really early when you're like five or six years old that would have like <laughs> a scene where they're like being weird with phalanges. I don't know if you remember that one. I might be dating you a little bit. Uh, saved by the bell is not my time. Well, I, yeah, I'll say this. It's a little my bit. Favorite shows were Friends and that '70s show, and they were both done before I was born, I believe. So yeah, I was just I'm more into like did even music. I'm like way before I was born. That's my yeah. favorite music. I can't do current generation music. Same. I'm I right can do there. a little bluegrass that's current, like some Ryan Bingham or some Zach Bryan type stuff, but I can't do I can't do the new stuff. Like it's gotta be like old school Garth Brooks. So you're not a Nicki Minaj fan, is what you're saying. Or... You know, she's no, she's just my my driving <laughs> ramp, you know what I'm saying? Before a tournament, she gets me going, but <laughs> No, obviously you got some not. bees in the trap. <laughs> yeah. Shit. No. No, none of that. No bees. <laughs> Gosh. No, it's uh 
to switch topics, to go back to this <laughs> before we go off the rails here. Full disclosure, right? This is just a normal day on the boat with Bailey and Andy. Like the way. Oh, yeah. Like what, if I'm out practicing and Andy's guiding or fun fishing, well, usually guiding, Andy's a respectful guide and he tries to make conversations brief so that he can get back to his guiding. But when Andy's out fun fishing or I'm practicing fun fishing, these are what our conversations about. We don't talk fishing. No. Where it's like, hey, Andy, I can't catch him for crap. And it's two seconds of that. And then we're talking about random BS. <laughs> <laughs> Even during tournaments, they're like, you know, like it just helps you stay loose, keeps your mind clear. Yeah, we so. are referred to if we are, do we do uh, fish team trails as those idiots? Yeah, we are those, those idiots. idiots when we come back, usually with a bag. <laughs> yeah, we can catch them all right, usually. But uh, yeah, we're definitely idiots. Like, we I roll up to the boat ramp. <laughs> you know, I, I've decided, like, that's my thing, right? Like, I roll up to the boat ramp, music's blaring. I get out of my truck and I talk to everyone just because I don't want to be like so focused on fishing. Because if I'm too focused on it, I suck because I'm thinking 9,700 different ways. So I just talk to everyone. I don't even care what they're doing, just see how they're doing. So when I get to the boat ramp, I'm like, oh, that now I can think about it because my mind is clear. So yeah, we just, said it before when Andy's at the ramp, you know he's at the ramp. Yeah, he makes himself known. <laughs> yes, just try to talk to people. As soon like, as that door that truck door closes, it's like, what's up, everybody? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Mario, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we just have a good time. Life is too short to be too uptight and all the time. So let's have yeah, fun. That's fair. That is yeah, fair. let's have fun, dude. I uh, so this show's obviously airing on a Friday. As Saturday, I will be on Lake Hartwell, hopefully, knock on wood. Um, and dude, I was so tempted to start like, I mean, I did, I did text some people. Like, I texted, I think, uh, Fouts, and I was like, is, is Hartwell, like, is it worth my time to go down there? Like, is it going to be so cold that it's going to like suck? Like, when I go down just to try it out. Um, but like, I was very tempted asking people, like, where can I go catch some fish? But I decided to hold against that urge. In regards to, again, you know, sweatshirt here, forever a student, like the only way I'm going to learn, especially spotted bass, which I want to go catch, uh, how the hell to target them. Uh, so tomorrow's goal is to go in blind, choose where I'm going to launch, choose where I'm going to target, and try to catch some spotted bass on Lake Hartwell. And I'm, you know, I'm you excited, but it's going to be interesting, man. Can I tell you what I would do if I was you? Sure. I Same would tournament. go. No, yeah, true. I would go find like a creek arm in a big flat that has like a deep ditch and just slow crawl your swim bait. Yeah, I think that's how you're going to catch them. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I'm just more looking creek. at like the southern end of the lake and starting at like the biggest main lake points and working my way back to creeks yeah. to find them. Cause I, would, I would think before regarding the textbook and just like finding new bodies of water. That I'm gonna go find the biggest points in the lake on the main lake, start there. Where, you know, look at water temperatures, because I mean, when we when you if you studied the classic last year on Hartwell, they were about a month ahead, obviously, but they talk about how those fish live deep all the time. Yeah, I think when if you can find just those major main lake points that are on that lake and just start there and work your way into secondaries and then further past, like I feel like you can find them pretty well and and. I don't know, man. I'm just, I really want to go catch him on a Demiki and like yeah. scope him uh, a jerk bait. Like, just go find ditches and creek arms where you have deep water that meets shallow. That's where the bait's going to be because yeah. they're looking for warmest water too. So, yeah, the problem is it's going to be bluebird, cold, sunny. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, I, as much as I, I have like this really unnatural. Uh, when, when did Casey ask Ashley win the classic there? It was like, the second yeah it was like the first or second week of february and he was catching them in ditches in main creek arms basically creeping um an underspin in a football jig it was a 15 yeah um, it was what the second week of february uh, let me look it up 2015 Bassmaster classic because I know on Lanier right Hartwell. now, they're they're catching giant spots out of ditches off of like main channel creek arms. February 20th to 22nd. That was close. Third week of February. So they should be set up very similar. That's deep winter pattern. Yeah, I just think like there there's the route of go where you think there's going to be. Or if from a sake of learning, at least in my opinion, the sake of learning is 
start from beginning when you know you probably won't find them there or you might find a couple yeah that and work your way in work your way oh in. i don't you'll, disagree you'll the, understanding <laughs> what's going on from like if you take because i feel like if you could take the on, on a lake as giant as hartwell you take the biggest creek arm biggest main lake point and you can work uh, through that in a day i feel like you can understand a lot about that lake in order to translate it oh, through the rest 100%. where like when you look at it it's an entirety it's overwhelming because there's just so much there it's kind of wild, especially when you look on it on Lake Master, and it's like there's contours all over the place. Like it's it's very overwhelming, especially Complex. for flex. Well, yeah, and like it's especially for us New Yorkers, where our Finger Lakes are just big bowls. That's all they are. They don't have anything to them, you know. It's yeah. it's 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 wild. I love it though. I absolutely love it, and the fact that it's something new. It's it's actually like it's it's an exciting challenge, but also it's like damn, this is a lot to uncover. Especially the fact that I'm in a kayak. I can't wait to see the uh, the new toy views that you're going to send me pictures of. Be like, look what I see. Yeah, I'll have the aqua view. And uh, I mean, I can announce it now, the contract signed, but uh, I'm partnered with TH Marine for 2023. So they're going to be hooking me up with the HydroWave. And we'll find out if that's the real deal or not. But I want to put out content on like seeing fish on forward facing sonar, turning on the HydroWave and seeing how they, if they act mm-hmm. or behave any different. Yeah, absolutely. If you scare them away or if they go a little crazy. Because we all, I mean, we've had times, dude, where like, especially, I mean, you and I on the day on Erie, we had a big bag, but like, it was a hard, like, a well earned bag. Oh, we worked for them. Yeah. You could see them. We were around these bigger fish, but like, they wouldn't eat. I wonder if you had a hydrowave, if that would have changed anything. Like, if they, they watch them staring at your bait and they won't do anything. Yeah. But I wonder if you, if, I don't know. I don't know if the hydrowave is legit or not. I've heard some people say it doesn't. I heard some people swear by it, so it'll be interesting to make some content around it and uh, put it to the test. I'll tell you what: if KVD has won tournaments using the Hydro Wave, I'm sure it's legit because that guy knows what he's doing when it comes to that. Well, stuff. in all fairness, he has his name on one, so yeah, I feel like we would say that regardless. And Carl Jockinson, I think, won ten killer because of the Hydro Wave in Oklahoma. Like he was messing around with it, and he was like, "This is why they're biting." I think. So yeah, it's one where I just like. I don't know if there's been, and I could be wrong. Maybe this is this is probably a Steve Barden question, uh, who is a fisheries biologist that we've had on the show before. I highly encourage you guys, if you haven't, go check those episodes out. Um, maybe we ask him, what does he think? If, if that's a legit scientific way yeah. to get fish eating. It'd be good to have Steve Barden part three and yeah. go around electronics. It's like an entire electronics-based episode with him. That'd be cool. That would be good. It, it, I'm, I'm either way i'm intrigued the team over at th is super cool uh excited for what's to come with them um but regardless hartwell spots uh i'm coming for you tomorrow. yeah i hope but you don't. catch him Try i hope so see. too that would make a really cool video for the be the fish channel yeah yeah but it's from a kayak so we'll see <laughs> it's gonna be uh it's a giant lake to break down from a kayak i hope the wind isn't blowing for your sake as well I think so. it is out of the east, which is like you never really want an east wind ever. Yeah. Do you uh, have any like contingency backup lakes around there that you could go to that have spots in case Hartwell's blowing too hard? Or would it, you just get back in the truck and continue your drive to Florida? I'd probably just continue driving towards warmer weather because I'm going to go hit a lake on Sunday uh, that's in Florida, like northern Florida, about three hours from the house and go try to catch some fish. But, um, I mean, it, it doesn't look like a strong wind. Like, I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, it's one where I can go reside on the eastern end of the lake, and I think I'll be perfectly fine. Like, I'll be in the wind, which you probably want, especially for if I'm trying to get on a jerkbait bite. So it's – I don't know. It's all just hearsay at this point. I got to actually yeah. do something. But I was originally looking at Lake Murray instead of Hartwell because it's literally right on my route down. But – I learned that there's a 200 plus boat tournament on Saturday, so I'm like, yeah, maybe I won't do Murray. So, Jeez. yeah, uh, I mean, I could, but I and for my morals, I'm like, uh, 200 boat tournament. That's decent money. That's on the line. Uh, I'm not gonna go get in the way of people. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm just gonna go to Hartwell. I'm sure there's gonna be a tournament at Hartwell, but you know, it's a giant freaking lake. So, either way. Um, I'll figure out some place to go fish. Either way, we're putting the kayak in the water. We're filming a video. Hopefully, we catch some bass. I've not caught a bass in 2023 yet. So, me either. I've been catching steelhead. Yeah, so. I don't know. I can't. I still can't get myself to do that. 
It'll come one of these days. Maybe when you get home. Ooh, the wind changed on Saturday. Is now it's at west. West is zero. It's not anywhere. Oh, nice. Yes. Actually, like in the wintertime, though, I honestly don't mind slick, common sun because it makes those fish just sit there and soak in it. You can kind of see where they are and what they're doing. Damiki? Damiki, a wacky uh, rig, neko rig. Like, you can get them to eat still. And they, a lot of times, like, especially if you get a calm, clear day, if they got any precipitation, you can find a ditch that's slightly off color. You can probably go catch them on a crankbait. That is one thing I'll have rigged up. I'll have a Fritz side rigged up, uh, rigged up for any rip wrap. Especially a red one. I do want to skip some. Like the one time in my life, I actually want to go skip some docks. Because <laughs> they're always on docks on that. They're always on docks. And <laughs> if, it's, if it's sunny and calm as can be, they'll be under docks. That's what I'm playing. So hopefully, we'll see. I have no idea what water temps are going to be. Actually, I could probably look it up, and there's probably some sort of resource online that'll have like our well water temps, I would think. Um, but Either way, it should be fun. But after that, we're making our way to Florida, and we're going fishing. And uh, I'm honestly intrigued to learn a couple techniques, Andy, for Florida. Um, in regards to one Carolina rig, which I mentioned earlier. All in shape. Uh, looking forward to catch some fish on a prop bait, which, I mean, I might let a cat out of the bag, but I love throwing a prop bait up here in New York, but no one else does it. Um but what are the techniques that are attributed heavily to Florida are techniques that you want to learn? I'm intrigued. Me personally. Ooh, that one is tough because I feel like the way I fish up here would fish well in Florida. Like I love fishing like a light bullet weight, Texas rig Senko. Uh, I like throwing a cutter worm, which is a lot of fun, which both work great in Florida. Definitely didn't want to derb on that. Definitely did not. Um no. <laughs> definitely did not probably catch a hundred to 200 bass on that this summer. Not, not at all. Um, I honestly think I caught like most of my large mouth this year on that. We're definitely not at Omnia fishing. No, like definitely not. Time. No. Yeah. There's code. They don't throw a gander burner worm as well. That, yeah, that, they, they all stink, but um, <laughs> no, honestly, like I think what I would want to do when I went down there is learn how to rip like, the grass with like a gold trap because you don't catch a lot of fish up here on gold traps. It's a lot of times it's like red or like sometimes some kind of like sexy shad or shad colored. I think it'd be fun, Kitty. It'd be fun to catch him on a gold trap and catch a giant. Speak, speak. He's intrigued by the mic. <laughs> That's what he gets. If you're on YouTube, yes, I am holding my cat. He keeps trying to jump into my lap. Yeah. Yes. What, Sorry, what else would be fun? Yeah, like a devil horse, like prop bait would be really cool. But I'm trying to think, like I feel like Florida fish is relatively simple. It's just very complex on how the fish set up. Chatterbait Central, yeah, which is weird. Like you don't see people catching them all the time on frogs, which it's like it looks like Frog Central. Yeah, but you tired a lot of Florida guys. They don't really throw the frog. They throw. Well, I'll tell you one thing that's probably more Florida y is like straight braid with like a uh a big easy a yeah. gambler big easy yep what do you want dude i have the weirdest cat weirdest cat in the world all cats are weird strange strange full lady gaga mode as soon as 3 a.m hits that's every cat all right <laughs> got a show here but yeah, there's oh another thing that I think would be cool to do in Florida is you know how like Mega Bass has the Kanata jerkbait that's like six inches long. A couple of years ago at the St. John's, uh, Chris Aldane was catching them on that big Kanata jerkbait. I think that would be another fun one to do down there. Throw like a big old jerkbait if they're like chasing mullet around in brackish water. What is that called? Like the LBO? Yeah, the linear bionic something. I forgot what the full term is, but it's just a tungsten sliding weight to help cast further. Like 15, 20 pound floral. That way it yeah. won't hit the. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. One thing, I mean, I'm going to throw two is a hybrid hunter. That one's become pretty famous down there. Yeah, they're in Texas. They love that thing. Yeah. So I, I want to get throw. some of those from up here. Yeah. Like early spring when you get some fresh grass in areas, I feel like that'd be a really good bait to throw even around here. And nobody oh, yeah. talks about them. There's a reason they're around and nobody talks about it. It's because they catch fish. So. Yeah, if there's ever baits you see going out of stock, chances are, or not out of stock, but like that are being, what do you call it? What's the term I'm looking for? 
discounted clarence no 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 like they're like the the brand stopped selling them discontinued that's that's the word i'm looking for uh chances are either they suck uh or they're actually really good and only certain people bought them and they didn't tell anybody about them this drives me nuts about jackal like i can go on and on about jackal and they will discontinue the best baits all the time because like certain people will just buy them all up and then it it's so hard to get them here from Japan a lot of the times that they're like, well, they're sold out. It took forever to replenish stock, so let's just discontinue it and launch something new. Like, there's like four or five different jackal baits that I'm like, man, those are the best baits I've ever owned. And you can't Free get them. TN traps of various sizes. Bow stick, super eruption spinner bait are two of my absolute favorites. I have one bow stick left and one super eruption spinner bait. And I like don't even want to throw them because I'm afraid I'm going to lose them. Super eruption like. sounds like a reaction innovations name. Yeah, they made a super eruption junior, but uh, it sounds Everybody good. Knows what I'm talking about. They understand yeah. that joke. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, hematoma. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to go down that lane. <laughs> yeah, like talk about a really ingenious marketing brand, right? Reaction Innovations, the way they name baits, like they will forever stick in your brain. And because of that, people will buy them. Like Corndog. I think they have a beaver called Corndog. Man, bear, pig. Man, bear, pig. Yeah. Lure called a man, bear. Or Torque. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll end it there. Everybody knows what the hell we're talking about. Um, What would you rank your top three lipless crankbaits? Oh, that's a good one. My favorite, as of last year, became the TN series by Jackal. I really like those. What? I like the 60 and 70. And they also have a one-knocker that I found a place for both of them. Um, I would say next would be probably a red-eye shad. And then tied with his, um, I forgot what it's called. It's their tungsten one-knock one. The two tap. tap. Yeah, the two tap. So that'd be like one, two, three. I haven't I haven't really caught many fish on the two tap. Only on the red ones. Like they won't eat the two tap, I feel like, in shad colors, but I can give them to eat the two tap when it's red. Cause I always think back to the queen ta- the queen tackle hammerhead jig, right? That that sounds like a crawfish. I wonder if the two tap sounds more like a crawfish than that super loud, high pitchy rattle. So, like, if everybody's throwing red traps and I can hear it come through the water from 400 feet away, I'm like, okay, now's the time to pick up that two tap because it's just slightly different. And a lot of times I'll get really big bites with it. Mm. And then the TN series, I think they call them disc knockers and it'd be the same deal. Yeah. Which is like their two tap version. Very interesting. And yeah, it's just. I'm- I got to play around more with two taps, but I just have like a good circulation now that it's like hard to find one that won't work in a certain scenario. Mm-hmm. But I, I'd rank mine as the Spro Aruka Shad first. That thing's so loud. I love that thing um, for various reasons, either straight reeling it, creeping it. You could even rip it. But I, I one that I like ripping it more, which would be my second one, be a Lucky Craft, an LV500, although they're expensive as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, that one from a yo-yo standpoint is probably one of the best. Um, and lastly, obviously you can't go wrong with the Strike King, right? I no. caught way too damn many damn fish on that thing, especially up here. Like a chartreuse perch yeah. is probably one of my favorite colors. Um, definitely didn't buy thirty of them on Omnia Fishing and the uh, the Golden Shiner or the Golden Sexy Shad color. I can't remember the damn name of it for love it for Florida. You can't go down to Florida without a Golden Trap. No. Yeah, it just seems very classic, gotta have it type of deal. Can I throw an honorable mention in that I forgot about that I have a bunch in my box? Yozuri rattling vibes. Oh, dude, those are so uh, freaking yeah. cool. Sands smokes yeah. them on that thing. Yeah. Those, I mean, there used to like, be to prove in them, like right? 2009, 2010, my buddy Ian showed me the rattling vibes. They used to make this translucent ghost minnow color. That was absolutely incredible. And the one time I fished on Ida Lake, I actually caught them on that in the summertime. But they discontinued it and then came out the new ghost middle color, and it's just not as good. I'll but, tell you what. Cole Sands catches some damn giants on that thing at Chickamauga. Yeah. 
Oh, I know. It just has a little bit different rattling sound than the rest of the traps on the market. It, it's a good bait. Do you think Yozuri is like one of the most underrated freshwater bait brands? Yes. I think so too. All their stuff is good. Like their crankbaits are phenomenal. Like not I, too expensive. They have great action. They're tuned fantastically right out of the package. Like I've never thrown a Yozuri bait and be like, oh, this thing won't catch fish. I remember when they used to have like the old crystal minnow jerk baits that you just slow reel. I used to catch giant bass on them all the time when I was younger, just fishing from the bank. So I, I haven't thrown a Yozuri jerk bait, so I'll say that. But like I a lot of the summer cranking I've done on lakes around us, I've thrown Yozuris and smoked them. Yeah, they eat them. I mean very underappreciated and underrated. I think it's it's one where you see some guys though that are sneaky and they but they truly use them like a Burge or a Spencer Sheffield or a Cole Sands like they have some damn hammers and like they're not lying when they say they catch them. It's, it's kind of wild, but is it is Brandon Cobb a Yozuri guy too? I feel like he is. No, he's Greenfish. No, I Who's Yozuri? I know he's I know he's Greenfish too. So yeah, that's why. They also make balsa crankbaits. Oh, do they? Yes, yeah, I have yeah. no idea. I, I, when I think of greenfish, I think of jigs and buzzbaits. They it. make dang good I'm pretty, sure he's, I'm pretty sure he's Yozuri. Yeah, I think he is. He's Yozuri. I think it was his uh, title last year. Yeah, I think it's Cobb and then what's the other one? Is it Brandon Card, maybe? Is he Yozuri guy, too, on the Elite Series? I can't remember. I There's can't too many. Come on, man. Not too many. There's too many anglers to try to remember yeah but yeah if you take the three series four series into consideration there's what three four well like if you think about what talking amateurs well yeah i was i was considering mpfl and then the bbt qualifier series that used to be a tackle warehouse pro circuit bbt in the elite series there's over 400 anglers between the four tours that you have to remember everyone's name for these things so like there's a lot of people i give like a john cox so much credit for fishing so many damn tournaments because wasn't he like two years ago three years ago fishing the open or not the open he's fishing the elites the, bbt uh, and tackle warehouse yeah wild he had like i thought he was i think he said at one point they had like three different boats around the country that he would just like fly in drive that one boat or something ridiculous. i'm sure wild stuff talk talking about pro leagues do you so this is like a topic for a conversation every fall when they announce their schedules of like are they going to go west are they what's lakes are they going to go to what time of the year are they going to go to for the most part i mean it's cool when we see you know i'll be honest i love watching them on lake fork but lake fork every single year the same single every like the same time gets old Mm -hmm. uh regardless of format but it's cool when you see like a Lake Murray show up, which they don't normally go to or like for the BPT where they go to Caney or is it Bussy break in Caney Creek or Caney, I don't know, Caney Lake. But regardless, like you like seeing those new places, but are we ever going to see anything that's like new, new that like people don't think about? Like, do you think they're actually trying to find new locations for like, especially the visitor bureaus to try and pay out to get them to come? I think yes, because you do see every year, like look at Fort Loudon in Knoxville, right? Like that was never um, a major tournament venue. Now you have two classics there and a regular season event in like three and four years or whatever it is. So I think they really truly are trying, but it almost seems like they get like regionalized, right? Like Bass always goes to Florida to start the year. And it always seems like the BPT and Tech Warehouse Pro Circuit starts in Texas. This year, BPT is in Florida, but like it always seemed like the FLW side started in Texas. And then the Elite Series would start in Florida or somewhere in the Southeast. What I wouldn't mind is like, let's get not just say get rid of Florida, but like let's throw an early February event on like a Gunnersville or somewhere like a Seminole or a Coosa river lake to where it's not going to be frozen for them, but it's a little bit different. And then as it gets more towards the pre-spawn, maybe move to a Florida event in like May. Like, I think they could do some differentiating in the Southeast in the beginning of the schedule. And I think there are plenty of lakes in the North 
like the Northeast, particularly New York, like there's a lake in New Hampshire, I think would be really cool to see an elite event on that's big enough Lake Winnipesaukee. Um, there's a lot of lakes in Michigan, um, that upper Midwest, like that could probably hold a major level tournament. It just comes down to money. Like, could you, I think Minnetonka would be big enough to hold a hundred boat elite yeah, event. Yeah, have or, boat local events, yeah. More like, but like, I mean, if you really break it down, it, I mean, I, I agree. It definitely comes to money. But like, if you think about it, the numbers that a classic has 50 boats, 55, roughly. Yeah. They should be trying you to put these wherever the hell you want. Like, yeah, I I think them having the classic so early in the year actually limits what they're able to do. I personally wouldn't mind like every other sports program has the classic at the end of the year, right? Like, why not start these pro level events at the be- early, like second third week of January, end the season in July or August, and have the classic at the end of August or beginning of September, and you could literally put it anywhere you freaking want in the United States for any major fishing sports tournament organization you could have that classic anywhere like one of the coolest ones i think they ever did was the three rivers in pittsburgh pennsylvania like they only weighed 15 pounds for three days and one but like it was different it had a major draw of people like and because you only have 55 boats you could fish way different lakes Mm -hmm. and have an awesome time like an Oneida Lake Classic at the end of August would be wild, and they could go to Syracuse and weigh in. It's a plenty big enough metroplex to accommodate a tournament of that size. Yeah, New York State Fair. Yeah, I mean, put it on Cayuga, and you'll see me buy a boat and go in the opens. Right. <laughs> or like, sort of to get there, but like, or like it's... Burton Mullet Lakes in Northern Michigan. The only issue with that is that it's not close enough to a major metropolitan area. But I mean, well, that's the other too right is you gotta yeah. have a place where you can host an expo yeah because the the biggest thing about a classic is the draw of people yeah and, and then you need hotel space that's why it's, that's why a lot of northern cities that even have domes on them will never get a super bowl like detroit because they don't have the hotel accommodations to house thousands upon thousands of people who are traveling there so yeah. there's a lot of economical reasons why we are limited to where they are limited to. Mm-hmm. I, I do understand why they have it in March, because if you do it as one of the first events of the year, people are excited. People yeah. are into it. Whereas like if you have it in June or something like that, not, I'm not gonna say everyone's tapped out, but like people are busy. They have summer sports schedules where like March is kind of a slow time of year for a lot of people. Yo, I mean, it definitely makes sense to put it there. Just from like a fan standpoint, I hate waiting six months from the conclusion of a season to have it take off the next year because the guy who's probably going to win that classic usually is on a heavy momentum train at the start of the new year going into it if they've qualified. Like the guy who was the best angler from the season before, his momentum could be completely off. He could be having the worst start of the season of his life and he has no shot at winning the classic because he's mentally derailed already at that point because he's off to a terrible start. Yeah. Yeah, I think you could argue that back and forth. Oh, yeah. I think, though, like a BPT, they're in a position where the fact that they don't put any or live on any fish, they could come up to New York. I mean, I think the, the event this year in New York is the week before it even starts or, mm-hmm. or season opens, where I think they need to flex that, dude. Like, yeah. You need to go to some locations that aren't able to have tournaments that time of year, but you are able to. Yeah. If the regulations allow them to do it, like by all means, the only thing they had to have gotten clearance from New York state in order to do that. Cause technically the rule is catch and release immediately. Even though if you catch it on artificial, yeah, we have we tournaments in New York all the time that are, I know. Them and take a video and let them go, which is for them. You know, it's, there's no Catch change. Release. Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, I'm just stating like the general formality of the rule, right? Like the general formality of the rule in New York State is catch and release promptly because it's artificial only. So, you technically, you're supposed to catch it and release it. You're not even supposed to take photos of it, but we all break that law. Like it's just catching. You're not allowed to take catch, photos of them? You're not supposed to. Bro. I do not believe. <laughs> do you see this right now? Yeah. 
Katie, I see his tail. Yeah. yeah, so like, and that's the formality of the rule. It's a catch and release rule. And underneath, like a lot of like catch and release rules, it's immediately released to fish upon catching. Well, they can screw off. They can yeah. wait for me to point my fish at a GoPro. <laughs> I mean, it's something that they can't really enforce because you're releasing the fish, but I'm pretty sure that's the formality of the rule. Interesting. Well, I think regardless, they're smart if they went up to like, especially New York. I think if they went there a month earlier, you would really show out. Like, oh my gosh, KVD season in New York would be shown, and people would only want to come here from like May through June because it can be just downright ridiculous, stupid. Yeah, it is like I mean, it's easy for us to catch them. Who knows what it's like for those guys? I don't think it would take them very long. No, no. I mean, you just cast a hook somewhere and you catch a fish. Just <laughs> yeah, just got to find the right, the right stuff. Do you ever think that? Uh, I'm not even to go into the western side. I was thinking about talking about western, but I was like, I mean, so many people talked about it already. But do you think they'll ever go to Canada, like in elites or BPT? Yes, I I can see it happening, especially if you have a tournament body of water that's near a major city like a toronto and you have that entire french river chain like bay of quinty could definitely house an elite series event simcoe um basically all of those um lakes on i think it's actually the trenton river system are probably big enough to house 100 boat tournaments it's just the schematics of getting everything over there and the tax dollars that would be put in place because of it. Like it would be quite different. So that there'd be a lot of tax evade, not even tax evasion, like tax laws that they would have to work around. Yeah. I am very curious though, as more and more Japanese, Canadian, Italian, Mexican, more of these guys that enter getting the amateurs and make the elite series. I mean, you see that international presence every year grow one or two, at least, excuse me. Um, I, I think that it'll be interesting to see if there's going to be influence for a BPT or an elite series to go international, like to have an event. I, I mean, I, I feel like Mexico is a hard place to do it just for the pure fact of like safety. Yeah. Yeah. Canadians, we're not too worried about them, damn Canadians. But yeah, it's definitely see it being easier to go up to Canada. I mean, think about how many Canadians are on the trail now, and it's definitely going to grow. I mean, I could see there being influence to. I'm like, you you watch the NFL do it, and the in the fishing industry is only ten years behind. The NFL's playing games in London. Yeah, like Mexico I don't City. See why there can't be a uh, a legacy style tournament once a year that is. I mean, in Canada or dare we say Japan or South Africa, that's ever growing in regards to, excuse me, giant bass. I guess see it happening eventually. I think another sleeper place too for like largemouth bass and the world isn't really watching on it. I believe Korea has black bass and like South Korea, they've been transplanted there like in the last like 25, 30 years. So that could be another area that's Maybe, about uh, to explode. Military supervision for that tournament. No, it'd be South Korea, but yeah. Probably still South, Korea's, military supervision. Yeah. <laughs> South Korea is relatively safe. But um, yeah, I, mean, I honestly, the, the easiest place for them to go would be Canada. It's just, I don't know how like the rule, like the regulations would go as opposed to having a tournament up there. That would be, have to be something that would probably be worked out politically and, on the tax side of things. I would think though that Bassmaster or Major League Fishing, they have to be talking about this right now because I feel like organically and traditionally the way for them to grow their audience, grow, you know, Bass Nations memberships or the amount of people that are watching a BPT event is they're finding that it's probably becoming um, diluted in regards to you'll get, more and more people doing it the ways you're doing it, but it's always going to be year after year, probably less numbers in regards to how you're pulling through your traditional ways, where I think if you're talking international, that's a way for you can really help. I mean, I know there's small trails, right. That have stems to the bass nation. I mean, we've talked about how um, I know with, with Bassmaster we had on Steve Owens, he talked about how 
talking about the Mexico chapters, or I think it was, mm-hmm. was it Italy? Was it Italy? I think you, Probably I think Italy. Italy. I think Italy has some black bass in it too, and Spain. But they mentioned how that those chapters are coming over to fish, like the kayak championship for bass. Like, I, I feel like they have to be talking about international because that's a really a, a legitimate way for them to grow oh, beyond 100%. inside our borders. Because like, there comes a time we talked about it all the time with in regards to fishing. Fishing has a capacity. We talk about growing the sport. There comes a time, especially. Well, compared to other sports like a football or basketball, where we say, you know, you can build another core, you can make another football field, you can't just magically go make a lake in a year and have it be functional and ready to catch fish in a year, mm-hmm. where you could do that in other sports, where maybe the avenue is, look, we might have grown the sport to capacity, but it's in the United States, where we don't have even, like, touch the, you know, brace the surface of another country in regards to bass fishing like yeah i think canada, mexico i'd say canada is pretty well developed so is japan I'd say mexico you know, is on their way but it's like I, I think there's opportunity there light bulb i think you are seeing bass do this already right with the redfish cups and how they're mixing bass in with the redfish cups and bringing elite anglers in and fishing with like captains and stuff and pro anglers in those like, areas oh, that's awesome transition to salt to freshwater in our own country than it is to yeah. different countries to bass fishing yeah but this where i was going with it you could eventually see like something where they partner up with like say in australia and go down there and have barramundi tournaments and have it partnered with bass because they're very similar to bass mm. like see, I it as like if you did that, I feel like you'd have to make that its own standalone event, like a redfish tournament. Yeah. Whereas, but we could call it a legacy tournament because I mean, that redfish cup is technically a legacy tournament, right? Like, right. Where I think, like, with take take Bassmaster for example, or even take like BPT with their heavy hitters, where it's only select mm-hmm. amount of people make this one standalone event. Um, that, let's just say for your sake, it doesn't account towards AOI, but you have to be top 50 in angler of the year standings in order to make it where it's not the classic, but it's its own call angler of the year event like bass used to have, but you go to Japan and you fish it in Japan. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that could be something that's pretty wild to do. And you don't have to worry about a hundred anglers. Then maybe you have 15 or 20 or 25 go over and then you said yeah. to figure out boats for them. But it's its own event, Use. dude, and they keep doing yeah. their coverage over there. And, like, how many people do you think would watch that? Like, Yeah, it'd be cool. Well, you imagine a Matt Robertson in Japan? Could he even get there? That is the question. Like, would they? Oh, well, I'm sure Bass action? obviously would. <laughs> Pull some strings. And that, we, and that could be also another issue that they look at, too, right? They go to Canada. I'm not saying anybody in these professional fishing leagues are – villains or we don't truly know like what their history is you know West Logan's a villain yeah but there could be like legal issues like if you have a dwi in the united states you can't cross the border into canada like think about that yeah like you have all of those issues that you have to work through as well in order to hold a tournament over there like you can buy a canadian fishing license and go cross and fish in Canadian water if you had a DWI, but I do not believe you can traverse through Canada for at least 10 years after having one. And then I also think you have to get like, you almost have to go through an entire legal system to be allowed over there sooner. Hmm. Like there's a lot of weird things. Like It doesn't make sense to me though, because you have all kinds of pro athletes, like baseball athletes. That have, I was literally just going to yeah. ask, and I didn't mean to be offensive by it, but I'm like, then yeah. how the hell do they get the NFL and all these other sports across? Yeah. Well, that's why you don't have many NFL games in Canada, right? Like, Well, they have them in London. Yeah, but that's different. You can get on a plane and fly to London. Like Canada, you cannot legally drive into the country or under the country if you're, I know from New York, if you've had a DWI in like the last 10 years, it's a weird law that they have. In you probably could do it in Wisconsin. Wisconsin, Probably. they're they're born drinking at the age of eight. <laughs> Minnesota, Wisconsin, North Dakota. I don't think DUI exists in Wisconsin. I think that's just called normal driving. <laughs> normal. Driving. <laughs> and I say that because I'm poking friends at my whom I work with a lot of uh, you know gunpowders from Wisconsin. Yeah. They talk about like there's a legitimate deal in Wisconsin. Like if you're under the age, like I think it's like 
I don't know if it's 13. I, I might be I might be way wrong on that. So I apologize if I'm incorrect. But it's like a younger age, below 21, like maybe it's 16, where it's like if you're with your dad or your mom that you can drink in a bar. For New York, you'd be like shot in sight. <laughs> yeah. Wild. Yeah. Well, the Midwest is different favorite. territory, man. Yeah. It is. Bunch of cheese heads. They eat cheese and drink beer. beer. <laughs> <laughs> eat cheese and drink beer. Perfect. <laughs> Gut bombing like happening going on over there. Yeah, Oof. we'll leave them to that. I I would though, dude. I would love to take a month or two months and like this, either like late spring or summer, and go fish one new lake a day in Minnesota. I want to go to Michigan. Like if I can get enough guide trips in May and June, and if the wife will let me, I'd like to go to Michigan for a week in July or August. Can we go through Canada now? Like how many go? We can. Yeah, it takes three. It takes. It would take seven hours to get to Lake Michigan, like Northern Lake Michigan, where Superior and Huron all connect. It's about seven hours from my house. Well, if you want to go to St. Clair, it's three and a half through Canada. Otherwise, it it's nine through the states. Yeah. I mean, like, thank God we can do that. Yeah, like I've I really have been contemplating going over to Michigan and fishing for like a week in July if the wife will let me. If I can swing it with a, yeah, with everything that's going on. Yeah, I hear that. So, yeah. Yeah. Another, a discussion for another day. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like, All right. So, sorry, go on. No, you're good. All right, I was gonna say we have two two more questions. Sure. Let's, let's wrap up the show. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. Um. Uh, we, we've asked other people this, but I'm actually curious what you would have done. Say you're back when you're like 12 years old mm-hmm. in the exact like stage of your life where every day you have no idea what the hell you want to do for your career with your life. Mm-hmm. Where we always had those dreams of what we want to do as a kid, but like you never know. So like, what was what was your dream career occupation as a kid? Your dream one and then like your backup career if you weren't guiding. Uh, that that's a great question. My growing up, my childhood dream occupation was an air traffic controller. What? But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were afraid of planes. <laughs> I am, but I wanted to be an air traffic controller. Like, so you're yeah. like, I hate being up there. So screw you guys. I'm yeah. And then I did a lot there. of research into it when I was like 13 or 14. And they're like, one, you have to be like one of the smartest people on earth. And you also have to have like an extremely high stress load. Because it's like (laughs) the number one job for people who commit suicide in the world. And I'm like, yeah, that's not for me. Then my second dream occupation was to be a meteorologist. And I did a lot more research into that. And it was like calling. Yeah. If, um, if you go to meteorology school, your chance of getting a job is like 8% or 9%. And I was like, well, I'm not going to go to school and waste my money to be a meteorologist for a chance to make a hundred grand and be wrong all the time. So then, well, I feel like th- these days, though, you go to school and you're like, yeah, this is the forecast and it's accurate. And you learn that in college. But then they go to hire you and you're like, you gave us an accurate forecast. We can't hire you. Yeah, like like dream fantasy job would be like a storm chaser, like a Reed Timmer. Like, I think that would have been really fun, but I'm absolutely terrified of tornadoes. So, like, scratch that right off the board as well. But like, now you're fine. Just go in those tank deals. Yeah. I'm too happy to pick you up. There's no place like home. <laughs> tap my tap my heels together. There's no place like home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. You had red heels. Yeah, like that. That's going down the wild side with me. I really thought it would always be cool to like chase storms around and be a meteorologist. Hmm. Yeah. I can see that. I yeah. can definitely see that in you. Yeah, I love weather. So, how about you? If you could, uh, if you could change it all up, what would you be doing rather? And what you're doing. If you asked me at 12, I was going to play in the NHL. Oh, I thought you were going to say always... Ricky Bobby and be a NASCAR driver. <laughs> Ricky Booby. <laughs> I'm uh, here to beat you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, honestly, yeah. I mean, honestly, until I was like 15, I always thought I was going to go to the NHL until my dad gave me a wake up call. Hmm, he said, like, You like, suck. He's like, Dude, you're, you're a third line in Rochester. He's like, You're, you're not going anywhere. Like, hey, <laughs> fair. fair, dad. Fair. Um, and then, uh, I thought I was going to, I wanted to be an athletic director until in a college, until I realized an athletic director, your life sucks because you're so busy and you don't really do much with sports, just the boring side of the business side of sports. And you have to deal with all the crap that comes back. So I was like, ah, screw that. 
Um, I never really had like a calling after that. So I like, thank God I found fishing. I mean, I always had fishing at the time, but I didn't never realize that you could actually work and make fishing a living. Mm-hmm. Had the I most like, um... 13 or 14. I was like, Oh, it's pretty cool. And I never really factored it in. Cause I was still in like the, I think I'm going to be a pro athlete stage. And not the most profitable profession that we could have chosen, but it's definitely fun. No, I never really chased money. Yeah. Honestly, as long as I enjoy what the hell I'm doing, I can stay afloat. Like, it's good enough for me. Yeah, that's what we're doing in a boat, buddy. That's why we have a boat and a kayak, because we're always floating. Well, sometimes. Trying to. Sometimes it doesn't float. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Boats and kayaks both sink. So, that's right. Thankfully, we're not sinking. <laughs> cheers to not sinking, buddy. I got wood. Well, folks, cheers to you not sinking as well. If you're going yes. fishing this weekend, be safe. Yes, especially uh, with the cold water. Like, if there's any like PSA I can give for this time of year, do not fish alone. Mm-hmm. Like, always have somebody around. Especially don't be like me I'm going to Hartwell alone on a kayak. Yeah, be careful. That'll be all right. Dude, you should have went to Lanier. I wanted to, but I was like, ah, three more hours of a drive. And I was like, Lanier has a lot of boats on it. I don't know if I do this year, but I don't know. Maybe a last minute change it up. Who, damn you. Now it's in my mind. I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> I'm going to go fishing tomorrow somewhere. But either way, folks, appreciate you all. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, tomorrow, not tomorrow. Good grief. Um, Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday. Tuesday. We do not have a show specifically in the works. We will have Tuesday Night Live. Uh, we're trying to get a guest nailed down for that one. And once we let them know, obviously, you'll see on social media. Um, but I will be in Florida. I'll have palm trees behind me as I do the uh, the podcast. But, uh, Andy, anything coming up, you know, guide trip-wise, if they want to kind of, uh, come up and catch some big smallmouth? Well, right now, we're still in, like, the heart of steelhead fishing. So that's going to go on through – March right now I have a winter special going on that's $175 for the day because it is cold and it's the toughest time of year to fish that'll end approximately the end of February March is when it gets really good I think I'm going to get my boat out right before Redcrest and get it in and get it serviced so when I get home from Redcrest if we have open lakes I can get my boat out on the boat start offering some bass trips but right now I have I'll pull it up here because I know the two, I know the one week in June that I still have available. And that is June 19th through the 23rd. I have open for bass trips. That's like the one of the best weeks in all of June to catch giant smallmouth. And somehow I haven't booked a single day that week. Um, and then in May, I have the 9th through the 12th and the 15th through the 19th open, and that's it for May. So we're uh, what hit them up, people. Yeah, so there's like 15 days total that I can book that are available. So we're getting there, man. Yeah, trophy season. Yeah, got some jaints. Yeah, try to. Yeah. Try to get some more six pounders in the boat. Not the easiest thing to do because there's so many fish in Lake Erie, but like our average fish in that time of year is like four, four and a half pounds. It's fun. You're gonna have a seven this year. I'm calling it. I hope so. I tried like heck to get one last year, and I think the two opportunities I had, we both we lost both of them. I was one, and then um, a client who an avid listener on the podcast lost one of the biggest smallmouth I've ever seen in my life in July. Come off big post spawner. Yeah, like, oof. yeah, like 100 feet from the boat, came up like three feet out of the water. And I was like, oh, my. And I just came off. Like, yeah, it was pitch black, like super dark. You could tell it was living on a boulder and super clear water. It was wild. It was Ryan Dahl. I think uh, you'll have two of them this year. Neither of them will be you. <laughs> yeah, let's hope. Like, I don't care if I catch one. I, wa- yes, I would love do. to catch yes, a seven. <laughs> but if a client catches one, oh man, do you know how thrilled I would be? Like, I got what I catch last year. I had a six eight nine and a six eight six for the two biggest smallmouth I caught last year. So I was close. And one was pre-spawn and the other one was post. The bigger one was post. It's almost a eight pound pre spawner. Yeah, it would have been probably seven and a half. It was massive, almost 23 and a half inch fish. Shoo. Yeah. That's long. Yeah, it's a big one. That's good kayak bass. 
Yes, great kayak bass. Yeah. <laughs> well, Andy, today was fun. Laxed. Uh, yeah. Appreciate everybody that listened to this episode. If you guys could, please give us a rating and review on the app if you haven't already. Helps us out big time. Uh, I've seen a few people do that from last episode. We went up a few ratings. Uh, awesome. So much appreciated. Uh, thank you guys all. And we will see you next week. Peace. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you like some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all. And we'll see y'all on the next one.